0: Welcome to another edition of the Pucks with Hags podcast. As always, I'm your host, Joe Haggerty. You can find my work at joehaggerty.substack.com. If you uh, purchase a premium membership, you get all of my NHL and Bruins writings uh, sent straight to your inbox. All the Bruins and NHL content goes right to your inbox uh, for you to read. Mostly uh, post-game reports, you know, off-day practice stuff. Uh, I also write for bostonsportsjournal.com with people like Greg Bedard, Mike Giardi, Uh, You can find my columns after pretty much every Bruins game, uh, breaking down what I saw, what happened there. So check that out as well and get a good membership going there. You got to, you got to pay to read Hags these days, Evan. That's what it's all about. Uh, With me today is a friend and colleague, Evan Maronofsky from the New England Hockey Journal. Uh, We're going to engage in a little uh, Boston Bruins mailbag, uh, Pucks with Hags mailbag. uh, Ooh, I like this. Yeah. By the way,
1: Hags, I'm with you on this now. You got to pay to read me too. Like it's, you know, we're, Where I I I, you and I are in the same boat on this,
0: you You know. Membership has its privileges, Evan. You know you 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 have to be worth the premium membership. And I'm going to say, Evan Marimovsky and Joe Haggerty are worth premium memberships. We're worth I
1: I you a little bit more than me, but I agree.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think you're right there, buddy. I, I you do a great job covering the prep school stuff. That stuff is much harder to come by, as far as the high school stock hockey and all that stuff goes. You know, I. I know a lot of people are willing to spend for like the hockey journal, for the neutral zone uh, stuff that those guys do. Like all that stuff is its own thing where you can't get any of those things anywhere else, any of that great kind of coverage of that stuff. So uh, Evan does a great job. Definitely check him out at the hockey journal. I do see him. Uh, at hockey rinks all over new england he is on the beat and all over the place what are you working on now evan anything good oh god uh
1: i when we get off this i have to do some miaa rankings which always those get viewed like crazy i mean it's incredible uh i'm doing a james hagan's profile kind of an in-depth look at his life uh that's going to be fun uh, next week, there's some MIA tournaments, uh, which will be good. And then there's a couple prep school tournaments, but it's pretty much done until like early January. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, but it's, I mean, like the last weekend, I saw where I saw you was the prep school holiday tournaments. That's like the yeah. biggest thing. So that was fun. A um, lot of good hockey. Yep. But a lot of good hockey. <laughs> um, yep. It was good and it was fun. And I uh, saw you at Seb's. So,
0: it's always yeah, a pleasure. That, that Brunswick okay. team was very good. That kid, I don't know what his yeah. name, number 15, he was excellent, that line. Sean there.
1: Gibbons, he's committed to, I think, or West Point, one of the two. I don't want to mess it up, but one of the two, and he's very good. Yeah, Brunswick, I have them at, like, number two in prep hockey now. They've moved all the way up because of that performance, so yeah. good for them.
0: They yeah. were impressive. Is uh, is uh, my good buddy John Missouri's Arlington team going to be in the MIA rankings?
1: I, they are number nine for me. I don't know what they'll be today. I have to look at the results they've had over the last like two weeks, but they're always, it's funny. John Missouri is always like, we're, you know, we're not good. We're too young. And I'm like, John, you're in it every year. Like you're right. you say this every year, It's not you know, like you guys are good. You're Arlington. So I always, I love, I love uh, Missouri like that. But first, thanks. Before we dive into Bruins mailbag stuff, I want to show it so for people who can see or watch on YouTube. I'm in my childhood
0: bedroom. Yes,
1: back home for the holidays. I was showing you the things around my room, like my Wiggles blanket. And, yeah, you know. Show them
0: the Wiggles blanket again. The Wiggles Arles. blanket. People to oh. see that for for the, the on Wiggles, the air.
1: Well, I want to make sure this is from when I was little, and I don't have many blankets here anymore. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> Isn't
0: that incredible? That is a true page of Evan Maranovsky's childhood, right there. It's
1: it's Evan Maronofsky lore. I was when I was little, <laughs> I was the biggest Wiggles fanatic you could find. Oh my god. Um, and they, they I mean, this is like, you know, uh, fruit salad, yummy, yummy. I mean, a song has not been written that's been better since. Um, but this is hockey related, people will like this. The Bruins play the Winnipeg Jets tonight. Now you have a son. I yep. was a little older than him when I asked for this. But when the Winnipeg Jets entered the NHL, I loved their jersey. And because I was in seventh grade, uh, my nanny, my grandmother, would get me a big gift every year that, you know, that was like around like, you know, $150, $200. So, I got a Winnipeg Jets jersey with my name on the back.
0: Uh, oh, that's awesome.
1: <laughs> so uh, I, it was great for wearing it practice. But then, once I got to eighth grade, it wasn't cool anymore. So I have <laughs> I don't think I've worn it since, but it's it sat it, it sat in my closet for probably like ten years um but yeah so i still it made
0: it. it a seventh grade evan maranowski very happy when he got oh in. it did i got
1: it was the first time in the hockey practice i was able to wear like one of my friends uh always had like a new jersey or like you know had, you know like ovechkin or crosby i would just you know wear the typical like practice penny. and so when i was able to sport my own winnipeg jets <laughs> or jersey i was like this is awesome you know so good times I might. Tennis? I
0: have a uh, Star Wars hockey or jersey or two with uh, the name Haggerty on the back. I have the I bus- like it for the okay, kids okay. at the uh, at hockey practice when I run a hockey practice. I think they would get a kick out of that. That's that would be big with the ten year old set. They don't think they're too cool for that stuff yet, Evan.
1: Exactly. Maybe I think person would wear the Maranovsky jersey just because it's a Winnipeg Jets
0: jersey. So <laughs> yeah,
1: it's uh, more use out of it than I'm getting. So there you go. Funny.
0: Uh all right, let's let's uh thank our sponsors real quick because we haven't done that yet. FanDuel Sportsbook, one hundred and fifty dollars in bonus bets with any winning five dollar money line bet. That's 150 bucks. If your team wins, uh visit fanduel.com slash Boston uh and get in on the action. And there's also obviously factor meals, America's number one ready to eat meal kit. If you're too busy to cook, uh if you're looking for calorie conscious options. Uh, during this busy winter season where you're running from rink to rink like we are as hockey parents and, and covering hockey, uh, head to factorymails.com slash HAGS50 and use code HAGS50 to get 50% off of your first box. All right, uh, before we delve into the mailbag, Evan, anything uh, Bruins related you want to get off your chest or uh, that you wanted to talk about?
1: Oh geez, you know,
0: I, like we've I've talked a lot about DeBrusque this week and yeah, in, in different
1: podcasts, but I, I'll say it here. Like, we will get to him in the
0: questions. By the way, okay. I don't want <laughs> then. I
1: don't want to. I don't want to get ahead of myself. No, so, it's okay. No, I, you know, I think with DeBrusque it's interesting, and I, I, I don't. I want to save it for the question, but his future is becoming more and more murky because it's, and we'll probably hit on this. Want to like waste too much of it, but like, no, I to, to me, I look at it and say, really want to give him a long term deal at the same time, though. The the, the the other side of this is, are you going to trade a top six winger off a team that needs top six wingers who's first place in the Atlantic? So that's but, sort of the conundrum I think they have,
0: but and I guess they have to make that decision. It's a conundrum, but I guess if uh is he a top six winger right now? He's on pace for 11 goals and 30 points. Um, nah, and he's making some he's making some pretty bad plays. Like, obviously, uh, he's getting picked apart for – and, you know, this stuff happens in overtime, right? Three on three overtime, things happen fast. Like, you can really um, pick that one apart. I take less issue with that than some of the other stuff you typically see out of Jake DeBrus, but obviously – like uh, firing high and wide like he did with that <laughs> shot that it, you know like I tell my 10 year olds when I coach them to try to hit the net because if you don't Please. that's exactly what happens the puck rims around goes right out and turns into a breakaway the yeah. other way that's exactly what happened with him and like that shot wasn't even close like no, that was I, like I... that was 20 feet away from the net um, Interesting.
1: With the, the, you've probably seen the Fabian Lysel clips going around Twitter of him trying to play hero ball and just you know skate through defenders. DeBrusque's was one on one, but in overtime when it's three on three, dude, don't do that. Like, right. pull up or you know go around the net and set something up. Like he has speed, and we look. I'm pro going to interior ice. That's not like my point. It's yep. that you can't just you want to in overtime as you know. You want to get the best shot possible. And, a and you want to hang one- on to the
0: puck too, you know? Yes,
1: puck possession is the biggest thing. So that's not the best shot. And that's not going to help you with puck possession because, um, you know, he freaking missed the net by a million feet. So, yeah, I mean, I, th- so my big thing is, like, what do you do? Like, and I know people say, just trade him. Or, like, I was talking to Mark Diver about this yesterday. And I think the biggest thing is, if there's a good return, if you can get a legitimate return for him, whether that's a a, a somewhat high pick or you can somehow package him for a, uh, you know, long-term person you can have either on D or at forward, preferably forward, you do it. But if it's just to dump him and get like a fourth round pick, no thanks. Right. You know, like then you just play it out and you see what happens. Cause that's not, because
0: you, you could, I, I mean, I, I think I've talked about this a lot at the beginning of the year um, with DeBrusque, I-, I felt like the writing was already on, on the wall at the beginning of the year that he wasn't coming back. I've already felt like this is a Tory Krug situation where he's just too much money, too much term that he's going to make on the market because uh, of the seasons that, that he's had in the season, you know, the season he's coming off of and the numbers he's put up. And I just don't think the Bruins want to invest that kind of money and that kind of term in this player. That's too inconsistent. And, you know, It has shown too many negative sort of sides to his game um, when things aren't going his way and the goals aren't coming you know he just doesn't do enough um, and he and he doesn't sort of he doesn't he hasn't evolved his game enough when he's not scoring to really help them and to be a valued uh, player and you know part of it too and I've been asked this a lot is And I mentioned this at the beginning of the year as well. I think a lot of it last year was playing with Marcian and Bergeron too. And that brought out the best in him. And I think you're seeing now without them that he can't can't put up the same kind of numbers and he can't play the same way that he did last year when he had them. And, you know, he he, I'm sure got a lot more room with the puck and a lot more free and easy looks last year playing with those two than he's going to get playing with other players. And it's a better measure on, you know, if he can drive a line, if he's a true top six forward, like what he's actually going to bring you. Um, If you pay that kind of money to keep him. And I just don't think the Bruins want to invest that. So uh, to your point, if they're not going to, if they're going to just going to get a draft pick and it's not going to be a high draft pick, if they were going to trade him, just keep him for the rest of the year and then trade his, his negotiating rights for, you know, a fifth, sixth round pick, whatever, yeah. uh, right before free agency, that's something that you could potentially do but i also think they're just you know in a spot where they they may ride it out with him and just let him uh, leave in free agency after the year is over and see what they can get out of him because i don't know that they're going to be able to find a player with his potential upside offensively um to bring back but like and he, it, ha-
1: he has been good in the playoffs in in past years too that's has, another has, side sure. to it
0: yep and and you know that that factors into it as well but I just think, you know, at this point, I, I think they've been on the Jake Dabrowski roller coaster for, you know, almost 10 years now. And I think the the Bruins are ready ready to get off. And uh, they probably feel like they've gotten the best that they're ever going to get out of him at this point, you know, as he hits his mid to late 20s. And uh, somebody's going to overpay for him in free agency. And they don't want to be the ones that do that. I mean, look, they made the right call on Tory Krug, right? Like, he's a good player. I like Torrey Yeah. They clearly missed him on the power play after they let him go in free agency. But, like, you know, what's going on with him in St. Louis now? They were trying to trade him before the season started. You know, they were already trying to get out of that deal from a few years ago.
1: And he was 30 at the time. And I remember thinking, like, even then, like, you you know, he had that point production, but it's like he's 30, he's undersized. Yeah. One, One interesting NHL trend that's taken place, I think, over the last couple of years is obviously everybody wants the, the big defenseman, the, the big, you know, don't let you get to interior ice, but can also move the puck. You know, you, you're, you're, um, you know, your are Hampus Lindholms of the world, so to speak, those types of defensemen teams want Shea Theodore, those guys. It's very interesting though, how the, the, the value of the undersized defenseman has just completely plummeted. I mean, remember, maybe I'm wrong, but like five or six years ago, obviously you had Krug, you had Grizzly coming up. You had like Jack Sean in Providence, who people were all hyped up about. And yeah. even around the league, it was like, oh, the pu- small puck moving elusive defenseman. And it's like, that's not really working. Like a guy like Lane Hudson at BU, I'm very, very, very curious to see what he becomes when he gets to the NHL level, because it's they're going out of style. You talk to NHL scouts all the time, and it's like the smaller guys, even if they're good, it, the bigger guys just are more applicable to today's NHL. Um so i'm I'm curious sure what happens with to that too.
0: Yeah. the problem is that I think even if they're really good offensively, those small defensemen are going to be liabilities defensively, and it's yes. difficult for them to outshine or outperform their defensive deficiencies with the offense that they're bringing. They have to be really, really good offensively um to to offset, or even more than offset what they're going to give up defensively. And the, the fact that they're going to be able to be taken advantage of, especially in the playoffs, you see players that are undersized, D-men that are undersized to really get uh, picked on and exploited. And you, you, you've you seen that with Tory Krug in the past when he was with the Bruins. You've seen that with Matt Grizzlick. Mm-hmm. You know, Gil McCarr is a little bigger than them. He's not that small, but he's a, he's a smaller defenseman. Um, if, if you're that talented, I don't think it matters. Right. It's but like, so fast. But, but what you, the, the players that you're mentioning, the J- Jack, Jack, I uh, remember the guy, Will Butcher, uh, yes, that, the league, that everybody was saying was going to be great. And he kind of like just went nowhere. Um, you have to be way, you have to be special offensively. I think, uh, to be able to make it like it's easier for undersized forwards, the five foot eight, five foot nine forwards, um, to survive and thrive in today's NHL uh, because they're not as they're they're not as going to be as much of a liability defensively. I think a defenseman, um, you can really make hay with them around the net and make them pay defensively um if they're not tremendous defensive players and and you know, with their sticks, with their technique, all that stuff. And even if they are, like Grizzly I think, is a pretty good defender, but he still gets picked on. Uh, in the D zone, especially uh, in the playoffs. And he has a hard time staying healthy. And that's the other thing, I think, with smaller defensemen too. Um, so I think you're right. But I, I also think there's there's always going to be an old-school hockey thing where they're just not going to believe that anybody – like I know it's an old-school hockey mentality and notion when you talk to hockey people that anybody below six feet is just not going to hack it defensively as yeah. <laughs> And yes, for so long, yes. they they just didn't exist. That I think they're never gonna believe. I, I remember having arguments with Mike Milbury about that when Krug was with the Bruins, because he's like, You can't be under six feet tall and survive in the NHL on, on defense. You just can't do it. And there's a ton of hockey people that believe that to this day. Oh um, yeah. And the thing with Krug was he was he was strong. He was stocky. You know, he yeah. could he could lay big hits and
1: like that. I think that helped him. I haven't watched a ton of him in St. Louis. I know his production's down. I know that team is just you know bad situation it has been i mean like so and it's funny like you look back to that i I don't want to get too far off track here but like remember like they they let petrangelo go who went to vegas won a cup was has been pretty solid and they opted for crew who i think was a teeny bit cheaper um than petrangelo which didn't make a ton of sense because you're replacing your captain who was a two-way force with like a very offensive-minded, you know, fine in his own zone, but smaller defenseman. So, yep. yeah, I mean, it, it was good times. The, br- yeah, the Bruins I read that
0: knows. one right, and I think ultimately oh, yeah. if they walk away from DeBrusque, they're going to be, you know, credited for reading this one correctly too because I just don't think he's going to be worth whatever the money is that he gets uh, – approaching free agency and i just don't think the bruins are going to be willing to you know spend that kind of capital on him and i I think rightfully so they're going to have to replace his offense somehow and and some of the skill level that he brings and the speed that he brings but like you know if he's coming off a year like he's having right now and things don't change like you're not getting it out of him either so you know you might as well move on uh to somebody else
2: score early this nfl season with FanDuel, america's number one sports book Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money bet. That's $150. Bucks if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action NFL. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including you get spreads, you get your player props, you get over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. ma.org or call 800-327-5050. For 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseOfA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Um,
0: all right, let's, let's crack into the mailbag. Um, I don't know if you have discussed what's wrong with the Bruins 3-on-3 three three in overtime, but it certainly needs to be discussed. Their record in OT is bad. Uh, Jim Montgomery actually said it was 2-6 and six, uh, yesterday when we asked him about it. Uh, They need to fix that to be successful, especially in the playoffs. That's from Jim Connors via the Facebook fan page. And, you know, obviously the uh, DeBrus play that we're talking about going way high and wide with the shot and that turning into a rush the other way uh, for the Kaprizov game winner um, is the latest issue. Um, But two and six in overtime. There's been some overtimes where they just don't even uh, get a shot on net, get the puck. I remember there was one overtime uh, in Tampa Bay. Uh, you know, a few weeks ago, where I think they got outshot like six nothing in overtime before they lost, um, and it was just bad. Uh, they did not look good at all, and they just looked like they were, you know, they looked like they were. There was a bunch of older players just playing, toying around and playing keep away with a bunch of younger hockey players on the ice. Um, yes, you know, at times they don't look fast enough. Uh, they certainly, I don't think, value the puck at times. Uh, it's not something they've practiced this year, which I think has been a problem, and I'm. I was glad to see they actually were practicing the 3 on 3 OT at practice yesterday uh before they left uh, for the road trip so I think Jim Montgomery is now realizing that that's something they need to at least practice a little bit work on if they're going to play man to man, come up with some plays that they can have to make uh in 3 on 3 OT with the the combos they put out there. But at the end of the day, like I think there's 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 sometimes a lack of speed. Like the Bruins have some fast players. But I think in general they're not the fastest team uh, in the league and I think that gets exposed in in three on three overtime a lot and I don't know how much they're gonna be able to improve that you know maybe incrementally they will but uh, I don't know I, I don't know if this is gonna ever be a great overtime team compared to some of the other teams and the personnel that they have in the league
1: they're slow they're slow that's exactly what it is it, they are slow they have slow personnel they're not a fast team so they're not built for you know to be successful in a three on three. I mean that's that I think that's what it comes down to. I, I yeah I yeah. agree with you. They gotta practice it. You gotta have plays. You know, you've got to somehow find a way to make you know your uh your uh lack of speed be able to compete. Like, you know, do you drop, you know, just Hail Mary's do you hang someone? Like there are things you can do. Yeah. But like
0: you're just not
1: like that it comes no. down to that. And I you know I think that's an issue for the playoffs though, like What uh, I think his name was Jim mentioned. Like, I'm not as concerned about that for the playoffs
0: solely because you're not doing three on three. Um, No, it's not going to exist in the playoffs, so that part's fine.
1: And I think their heaviness can help them. They just need to utilize it more. You need to hit more. Like they're heavy team. They should be a heavier team than they are, but they have the personnel to be heavy. They do not have the personnel to be fast. So, like, I think come the playoffs, I'm fine with that. And I will also say this. I think the Bruins last, I like, checked yesterday. What are they, like, third in the NHL? They're, like, you know, they're, like, 44 points. Vegas is 47. New York is 45. Yeah. Um, if it can prevent them from winning the President's Trophy again, would that be the worst thing in the world? So let that be the silver lining. No so, no President's Trophy. I'm okay with that. So, yeah. yeah, but mainly it's just they're slow. They're a slow team, and, and that's that.
0: No, I, I think they, it would behoove them to get a little bit better at the o, three on three OT to work on, um, you know, what they're going to do defensively, where they're, they, where they should be, you know, get combos used to playing with each other and sort of make it, they can come up with some little plays to help them win games. Like all that stuff, I think will help them a little bit in the short term, but like long-term I'm not super concerned about it. I think that because it's not going to be a scenario they're going to see in the playoffs. So it really doesn't matter. Um, the the one thing I would say is that uh, they should also practice it a little bit more because they're going to be in it a lot. Um, you know, the, this is a team that does not separate from other teams offensively. There are a lot no. of games in the third period, a lot of white knuckle action going on in the third, where they're just hanging on to a lead at the end, uh, which is going to turn into overtime a lot, you know, because they're not good at closing out teams with a one goal lead in the third period either. Um, So it's something they should work on getting better at um, in the regular season simply because they are going to be in overtime a lot because that's the kind of team that they are where they're playing in a lot of three to two, two to one games um, where it's probably inevitably going to go to overtime where they're trying to get the, the extra point. But uh, do I, you know, do I think it's vital that they improve that? Um, Do I think uh, their existence is going to rely on that? No, I think the bigger issue and the bigger problem um, that I see is them allowing goals in the last few minutes of games when it turns into like just hand-to-hand combat around the net yes. uh, trying to protect a one goal lead and they're getting pushed around and they're getting scored on. And it's getting to the point now where other teams smell blood and understand that if they push hard against the Bruins late in the game, they're going to get that tying goal. Uh, and that is going to hurt them in the playoffs. And that is going to be a, uh, you know, they're ultimately they're undoing. I think uh, if they can't improve that.
1: Yeah, I I completely agree. The only other scenario I could see in which like this would really screw them is if they plummet and the last day of the season is, you know, you got to win or you're out of the playoffs and it goes to overtime and it's like, Oh, well no, no playoffs this year. But I agree. I like,
0: well, they put it this are, way, Evan. If the point the, the where they are right now in the standings, if they are scratching and clawing to get in the playoffs <laughs> the last game of the season, they do not deserve to make the playoffs. <laughs> no, they
1: defensive. don't. I agree. It's the twenty eleven Red Sox. I agree with that. <laughs> um I, but so that yeah, that's my thing. And 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 you hit it there. Like they they don't separate well from teams and they blow leads in the third because they just get hemmed in their own zone for like ten minutes, uh or you know, the back half of the period. And I think like if you're in your own zone enough, you can be great defensively. A team is going to score. Like, if yeah. you're in your own zone that long, like, they're going to break through. Shots are, you know, th- they're going to find ways to score. The NA- yep. guys in the NHL are too good, especially against, like, you know, Kaprizov, Boldy, and Eriksson. By the way, shout out to Matt Boldy from Millis. <laughs> um, But, yeah, so I, to me, like, I agree. So that's that would be my – but yeah the nightmare scenario i don't think will happen that would be a i agree if they have if it comes down the last game of the season for them to get in the playoffs lose you don't deserve it <laughs> so i yeah I, i'm with you there
0: no I, I don't think it will and you know I, my greater view of, my greater view of this entire season continues to be that they're a transition team and that you know if they get into the playoffs and they get a win around or two great, I don't think they should be going for broke this year. I don't think they should be, you know, going all in trading, you know, tons of assets. I think they should probably be looking more to trade away assets and build back some of uh, their prospects, draft picks, like all that stuff, like Jabrusk that we talked about and then, you know, get experience for the younger players. They have a good enough core to get into the playoffs anyway, like, you know, do all that stuff, but not, you know, I don't sense, put it this way, I don't feel the same level of panic that a lot of Bruins fans do about, we need to fix this. We need to fa- fix that. We need to add this player. We need to do this. Like, this is going to be a disaster. Like, no, this is a, t- a season where they they realistically are not going to win the cup. Like if, if they have the, the team that they have, even if they add a piece is not going to be cup worthy. I don't think they have a two month cup run in them. I think this is a team that is going to be, you know, be a good playoff team, get into the playoffs, maybe win a round or two, get valuable experience in the playoffs for the younger players that they've integrated into the lineup and, you know, sort of pivot and, and go with the next group, you know, next year and beyond as they can add some pieces because they have cap space. I think in the greater scheme of things, I hate to use the term bridge year because I think it's overused, but I think that kind of is what this season is uh, in a lot because of the players that left because of the players they brought in and the situation that they're in. Um, you know, but so like, I, I don't think anybody should be overly concerned about any of this stuff uh, because I think at the end of the year, the fact that they're, you know, where they are in the standings is an overwhelming positive and was unexpected. It's also uh, a development year. You hit it there. Yeah. Like,
1: can, you know, can Patra uh, stand at an NHL season and grow, which he has so far. Now he's the world juniors right now, but he's, he, you yeah. know, he's, he's uh, enduring at a full season. You know, can Johnny Beecher be a serviceable fourth line center? Yes. Can Charlie Coyle, who's looked, I think, awesome this year, I agree. can he continue to be a top six center? So far, he's looked like one. I know the production hasn't been there the last couple of games, but the overall game has been—you know—his overall good game has been. So, to me, I look at it from that lens of like, this year is about kind of building for the next bunch of years where you're going to have more cap space and and yep. you know younger guys are coming guys like Lowry um so yeah i agree i i i'm not panicking i i you know they are gonna have their bumps they're gonna have their slumps uh, i don't mean to be dr seuss but like it just <laughs> that's what the season's gonna be and that's okay i mean it's know?
0: appropriate for you to be dr seuss when you're in your childhood bedroom with your wiggle sheets so like i think exactly. you go for it <laughs> you know green <laughs> eggs and ham for everybody at christmas time
1: I am. There's got to be a, a Dr. Seuss book in here somewhere. I don't know where it is, but I'm, I'm sure the it.
0: places you will go is in that room somewhere. I have zero <laughs> question. You probably got that for high school graduation. I have zero, zero I, I probably did. zero. Uh, all right, let's go looking ahead to the playoffs, assuming the Bruins qualify, which I think Evan and I both agree they probably will or they should we do have factor meals uh, to help us out. America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit when it does get busy, when it does get crazy, when we do need a a quick meal. uh, They fuel you up fast with flavorful and nutritious ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. Takes less than two minutes to cook them. They're fresh, never frozen. Meals ready in two minutes, like I said. Uh, They have calorie-conscious options going upscale with some of the things they're offering now, like surf and turf, surf and surf meal options, roasted garlic filet mignon and shrimp and Cajun spice shrimp and salmon, which is like right in my wheelhouse. This is the kind of stuff I'm all about. So it's got everything for everybody. Uh, there's 34 plus chef prepared, dietitian approved weekly options for meals. Uh, you can get snacks, you can get breakfast items. Like it's 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 a great deal. Um, so if you wanna get factor meals, uh, go to factormeals.com slash hags50 and use the code hags50 to get 50% off of your fir- first box. It's a great deal. Uh, you know, I, I've tried it. It's fantastic. I recommend it to you. We love these ready to to make meal kits, especially when we're, we're on the go with our kids. So one more time, that's factormeals.com slash hags50 to get 50% off your first box. You won't be sorry. If you go to factor meals, it gets the hags thumbs up seal of approval. Uh, who will the four centers be for game one? And that's from JCH3717 on Twitter.
1: Uh, I will say, uh, Elias Lindholm, Connor McDavid. No, um, I, I will, <laughs> I will go with, it'll be Zaka Coil. I think, I, and I know that's like bland. I know it's you not fun. Z- I,
0: you cut out Zaka Coil, Zaka Coyle, Patra Beecher. I think yeah. those will
1: be the four. Um, and yeah. again, like to go into the playoffs with two young centers, uh, you know, again, if you're going for a cup, that's a hard. Thing to sell and i know they will be going for a couple I'm not saying they aren't but at the same time like you just hit like i think it's good experience for guys like potter and beecher to be centers in the playoffs and like i'm not putting potter on the wing and you know like is geeky gonna be the third line center i mean he's probably a little maybe more stable but i think those are the four um what do you think
0: yeah, I I think the only as you referenced, I think the only deviation would be Geeky uh as the third line center, but I think Geeky has shown that he can play wing and that he actually plays really well with Patra. Yeah. Um, as, as as a duo. So, you know, I I think Patra, I think it would be very valuable to get Patra uh, some playing time in the playoffs and experience in the playoffs it's just part of just like I think World Juniors is great for his development, I think getting mm-hmm. playoff experience is going to be extremely important uh, for his development uh, at the end of the year so I would put him in there I think this is you know obviously there's a balance between urgency winning playoffs competitive uh, competitively what putting the best team out there in the best spot to win like all that stuff but I, I just think some decisions organizationally this year should be made about player development about what's best long term for the organization and for the players and you know, what's going to put them in a position to be like, you know, potentially great for, you know, a five-year run uh, in the near future. And I think getting Patra some playing time at the center position will do that. And I think it's important. Uh, so th- that would be my, I, I think it's Zaka, Coyle, Patra, and Beecher. I don't think, I don't think Lindholm is a realistic trade uh, no. for the Bruins. I just don't, I don't think any big ticket item, is a realistic trade target for the Bruins because they don't have first round picks. They don't have second round picks. They don't have, they're not going to trade Matt Potra. They're not going to trade up Mason Lowry, They're not going to trade their, you know, the guys that have risen to the top of their prospect pool. Um, you know, maybe they trade a Fabian Lysel who is having some, you know, developmental bumps in, in Providence and may become a player that's a prospect that has value as a trade chip rather than a, a player that you feel like is ever going to develop with you organizationally. And I think we're starting to hit that territory a little bit with him where, you know, I, I was at uh Finn played uh, before the Providence Bruins games last weekend. So I was down there for that Syracuse Bruins game uh, where I guess uh, uh, Ryan Mugenio like uh, criticized uh, Lysel pretty heavily after the game was over. Um, but I was there with uh, Finn played before the warmups on the ice with his Crimson teammates. And uh, I, so I watched the game. He sniped one early in the game. Uh, the team looked great. He had a great goal. Everything looked good. And then it kind of fell apart after that. And, you know, Mujinel talked about it afterwards and how, you know, maybe he's not playing the team game like he needs to um, consistently. And that's been a problem. But, um, but the talent is there. You know, the, the goal was an elite goal scorers goal. It was nice. Um, So he's still playing pretty well and the numbers are pretty good. So like, maybe that's a guy that becomes a trade chip uh, for somebody, but he's not going to get you Elias Lindholm, you know, that to make a trade like that for a top tier uh, NHL player, that's going to be a, a, you know, a, a highly sought after rental, especially if you have designs, on wanting to keep that player long-term it's going to cost you a lot more than that I the Bruins just don't have the assets to make that kind of trade
1: oh and like with Lysel I think his trade values you hit on there has gone down to the point where like I think a year or two ago I think you could have you know Lysel and you know Lysel is the main centerpiece for a guy like an Elias Lindholm now I don't think that's the case like I think you know maybe he's in a deal maybe I'm undervaluing him a ton but I just don't see him as the the trade ship we used to view him as the other thing I will add is I agree with you. They're not going to make a big move and like, I don't want them to go out and get another middle six center. Like you don't need that. You've got Zaka, you've got coil, like you're fine there. You don't need another, you'll get geeky. You don't need another one of those guys. And I, so yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be, they're going to stick with who they got. If they make any moves, it's going to be, you know, a veteran, winger who can reliably put up you know 30 points a season maybe like someone like that like connor connor ryan um the other day mentioned and uh I, you know i don't think he meant this as like a uh like a guy to go after but a guy that they went after the best like a marcus johansson that kind of a player maybe that's what they do to supplement the roster um but again i don't have the pieces to make a big move
0: I'd like um, less Johansson, more big, nasty fourth line uh, Milan Lucic replacement type player. I think that's that's fair along the lines of what they should be looking at uh, at this point, um, because I just don't think, you know, you, you talk about them playing, you know, a little bit physical, but I just don't think they have the personnel to play physical either. And they need more to play that way. And they need a player like him because they kind of game planned before the season started that they were going to have. A presence like Lucic this season and the fact that they don't have it they've, they're have they missing that big time um so I think that's something they would they're going to need to get and they certainly I think should get a nasty big strong defenseman around the net a guy that you know cleans house clears bodies plays with a an attitude um I think they need that kind of player too um you know that like an Adam McQuaid type honestly would be like really good like that kind of a player I think Radko Gudis. Yeah. Well, he would be the the ideal. I don't know that they're going to get him, but like somebody like yeah. that for sure. Um, and I think those are bigger needs like for this particular season. Um, you know, I, I think scoring wise, I think they're going to be okay. I think, they're, I think they've made peace this year that they're not going to be the high scoring team. They were last year. They're going to be kind of middle of the road and they're going to have to rely a lot on Pasternak and Marchant uh, to do a lot of the heavy lifting. And I think, you know, they're okay with that. Um Rather rather than adding somebody like that, but we'll see. Um, Terry O'Reilly is secretly Santa, isn't he? I mean, think about it. That's from Michael Barry uh, on the Facebook fan page. Uh, I I included that because it's the centennial year and I just love Terry O'Reilly. Yes. So Merry Christmas to Terry O'Reilly and all the Bruins centennial greats out there. It's been great to see uh, all you guys at the Garden this year. Um, Unfortunately, all the scoring depends on Pasta and Marshy. They can't do it all. Third and fourth lines just can't do it. That's from Johnny Mildner on the Facebook fan page. And then we, I, we just discussed that. Um, that's a good comment and, and it's very true. Um, but I, I think, you know, I, I feel like third and fourth line wise um, when the third line has been JVR, Charlie Coyle, Trent Frederick. Uh, I thought it was outstanding. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I think the problem is maybe they don't have enough top six pieces to make that their third line. Uh, where it becomes a challenge and like i you know johnny Beecher's showing a little bit offensively this year i think there's a little bit more to get out of him offensively and uh, i think um morgan geeky i think can provide a little bit more offensively i think there's some players that are in that mix third and fourth line wise uh when they're in there that i think you're going to see a little bit more offense from in the second half of the year so i think they can kind of rely on that i don't know how much of a need that's going to be
1: Your viewpoint's interesting on, uh, yeah, because
0: it's interesting when I was, you know,
1: I've been thinking lately, you know, they do need someone up front that can, you know, reliably put a puck in the net here and there. But your theory is interesting in the sense that they have the guys can find a way to get, you know, three, four goals a game in the playoffs. They need to focus more on their strength and strengthening their strength. And I like that idea, the idea of, you know, add a defenseman who is mean and nasty or add, you know, a forward on the fourth line who can, you know, put guys through the glass. I don't hate that. That's why, like, I'm open to any additions you can make to this team. I just don't want them giving up too many future assets. Unless, like, if you could find a way to get a Lindholm long-term, then okay, fine. But, like, if it's a rental piece, like a Bertuzzi or an Orloff, which Sweeney doesn't typically do, by the way. Last year was sort of a one-off with that stuff. But even then, like, I I agree with you. I think if you can strengthen your strengths, that's why, like, the whole idea of trading a goalie doesn't make any sense to me. Because your strength is your goalies. Like, yeah, with that.
0: Yeah, this team is built on defense and goaltending. It's not going to be an offensive juggernaut. I think adding a little more offense is okay, but I'd rather they focus on what they do well and making sure they're as good as they can possibly be at doing those things. And, you know, just making peace with who and what they are. And I think they have, I, you know, I think they understood that this was not going to be like a record breaking year offensively and that they were going to play a lot of one goal games and it was going to be close and that they were going to have to um, play great defense, like great rush defense, great defense in their own zone um, you know, great textbook fundamental defense ahead of like elite goaltending. And I think for the most part, it's been that. And, you know, Jim Montgomery has been very happy, I think, um, notably so with the team lately, much more positive than he was earlier in the year. And I think it's because they're playing better defensively uh, for the most part, by and large. And, and I think you're starting to see improvements where they, you know, they're, they're going to be playing a successful brand of hockey when they get to the playoffs um that it may not mean that they're going to you know go all the way to the cup final but I think they'll be at least playing playoff style hockey uh when they get there um are they teaching Jake DeBrus to hit the net when shooting the puck that's from Cone 15 I think we we have adequately addressed that one already We here. have we've done a hopefully, lot to brusque. hopefully they are teaching Jake DeBrus to hit the net because like and and you know going back to what we said before the one thing I I would say is that you gotta you tell a guy like Jake DeBrusque, look, if you're gonna take that shot, I don't wanna put the governor on you offensively and and try to limit you and tell you what to do as a creative offensive player that um, you know, has has scored close to 30 goals in the season in this league. But if you're gonna take that shot, you need to hit the net. You know, hit the net. It, that's And if you don't have, hit, the hit the, the net, net. You're you're gonna invite the wrath of the coach and everybody else and the fan base and all that. So you gotta hit the net. Um and I, and I, I said, uh, I wrote this down, four goals in 29 games on a pace for 11 goals and 30 points this season for Jake Debrust, just not even close to good enough. Wow. Um, is it an NHL policy that if you get one brother, you get the other brother, uh, i.e. Morgan Geeky? If it isn't, it should be. And that's from Place to Be Place on Twitter. Uh, and this plays into... Um, Morgan Geeky's younger brother, Connor Geeky, playing with Patra on Team Canada at the World Junior Tournament, which will make it uh, all the more interesting for Bruins fans. Certainly for Morgan Geeky, it'll make it interesting to watch. Uh, But I think for Bruins fans as well, being able to watch Patra at the World Juniors will make it uh, a fun tournament and will make it very interesting uh, from a Bruins perspective to see how he does. In the first practice, he was centering the top line Uh, with Connor Geeky on his wing. Um, So that's going to be really interesting. And Connor Geeky, obviously, a former first-round pick of the Arizona Coyotes, uh, Mm -hmm. has a future in the NHL. So, of course, um, if it were an NHL policy that you get one brother to you get the other brother, the Bruins fans would be very happy about that.
1: I mean, look, it happened with the Richies. Richie brothers, (laughs) I mean, you know, continue to do it. I'd rather have the
0: Geekies than the Richies. (laughs)
1: I would agree with you there. I just looked it up and I didn't realize this. Connor Geeky is six four. Yeah, he's uh, big. that would be some, that would be someone fun to have uh in your in your top nine. Yep. Uh, I yeah, get more brothers. I mean, I'm all for it, you know. Like you, you should be able to get like a uh, it's like in college recruiting, like the Hagens brothers, you get both or like the Hughes, they all go to Michigan. So like I would, I would, uh, I would entertain it. Maybe a little yes. rule change, you know, get different, uh, different brothers in the league. Why not? In,
0: in my generation, it was the Eves brothers at BC who didn't yes, play dad right. and went to go play for Jerry York instead, which I always thought was interesting.
1: Right, that's right, Patrick Eaves. I forgot about that. And, and right. ben
0: Eves, his older brother. Yeah, they they were both. Oh yeah uh but yeah i th- always thought that was like an interesting dynamic like that didn't actually get reported on enough that like their dad was a big-time college hockey coach and they ended up going to play for somebody else instead of their dad i always thought that was interesting well, well
1: jerry keith his son owen uh committed to bu and doesn't right. know he he's like i've talked to him about it he's like i knew i could never play for my dad and it was just like that was that and i think that's easy i think it's it must be easier as a kid to just say i can't play for you and and have it be agreed upon because i feel like if if he was like oh i'm deciding between northeastern and bu and i pick bu it's like oh that's kind of like that's tough to do to be like dad sorry but i'm gonna choose somewhere else but to just be like i'm not going there no matter what i think is the easiest thing to do if you're if you having any second thoughts about going anywhere else Yeah. yeah yeah i thought that was funny
0: oh yeah no it's totally interesting but it's 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 funny how like you'll see some kids that will like adamantly play for their dad, no matter where their dad goes. And then other ones yep. are like, yeah, Nope, not playing for him. Had enough car ride homes, car rides home after <laughs> uh, <laughs> tough games So to, to not want to do that in college. Um, all right. Why? And last question, why on earth did Monty put to Bruskin Gretzky? Uh, of course, he's talking about Grizzly, not Gretzky there, or she is talking. About, why on earth did Monty put Debresk and Gretzky out on a very important play in overtime, just like last year, when they, he kept putting all in net, when he should have played swim and we lost both times and angry face emoji at the end of that from Mary Sullivan on the Facebook fan page. Um, I, they could have used Gretzky in the three on three overtime. Yeah,
1: I would have liked it. Can he come off the TNT panel and, and play a little <laughs> hockey for them? I'd, I'd even think
0: Biz maybe. Yeah,
1: Biz would be good. Biz would add some straddle to that fourth line. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I don't hate them putting him putting them out there because as we mentioned, three-on-three uh, three is fast do best now Jake, DeBru- Jake DeBrusque Jake Debrusk is not you know he didn't do the right thing puck possession wise but Grizzlick has a good puck possession defenseman and he's quick and he's a good skater I'm not opposed to that I know also not having a,
0: a good season game. though I would say I know th- so that's Grislyk. the thing
1: that's the thing is like that McAvoy Grizzlick pairing has not been anywhere near as good as it has been in the past so like nope. I agree but from the intangible perspective from the just you know on paper He's quick. That's real. I mean, like, you know, I think that's the big reason. Um, maybe it speaks to a need to have more guys who, who are big and can skate, which again, you got Lowry in the system who's coming up, you know, who at some point is going to stick in the NHL. Um, but yeah, I'm not, I I wasn't super opposed to that. The Grizzly thing is interesting. We haven't really hit on it at all on like whether or not to trade him. Yeah, I put him in the same category as DeBrusque of like, oh. uh, if you get a good return for him, Deal him. Like he has value. Um, but if he if you're not gonna get a good return for him, then probably not the best move, I think. But that's just me.
0: I mean, I think you'll you could get something for him, you know. Even yes, though, I think he has value. Uh he's his value has um lowered this year, certainly. Uh he's not having a great season. Um, you know, he's not as as even as valued as he probably was last summer from an asset standpoint, but He's still a puck-moving defenseman that's play, proven he can play top four minutes uh, in the NHL, um, and I think that's there's value there across the league. And he's not super expensive on the contract he has either, given that he can play um, those kind of roles. So I think he would have some kind of value. Um, and and the the bigger problem with him is just that you know he's going to start being a player that uh, I don't think is going to be like always a regular in the lineup because other def- young defensemen are coming up through the system like Mason Lowry that are going to demand playing time and that you're going to want to play instead. Um, you know, just by virtue of the fact that he's a bigger, stronger guy in the D zone. And eventually he's going to be a better defender uh, at the NHL level in his own end than Matt Grislyk, uh could be just by virtue of his physical assets. You know, I think that's going to be, you know, something that, it, it's Matt Grizzlick's not going to be able to fight that one, you know, uh, no. being a five foot eight, five foot nine, 170 pound guy versus a guy that's six, three to 10, you know, that's just, you know, that that's just not a winning battle ever that he's going to have. So um I, I think that part of the right, I mean, and, you know, the interesting thing about both D- DeBrusque and Grizzlick is, is part of the reason that they're playing, uh, they're not playing up to par this year and they're not playing up to the level of their abilities. Is it because that they feel like the writing is on the wall for them, that they're not going to be here long-term and they're having difficulty with that. Is that part of what's going on uh, with this team right now and sort of where they're at and, you know, the prospects coming up, the salary cap, their their contract, contractual situations, like all that stuff. Um, these guys are human beings, you know, they're going to be affected by things like this and thinking about their future and everything else is that part of the reason that they're struggling a little bit? And I think the answer could be yes for both. Um, And I think it's, you know, it's a situation that bears watching uh, because they have, both of them have not played well this year. And because their, their situation in their, their, you know, their station on the team is, is kind of in, in, uh, in, it's a fluid situation right now. It's not uh, determined or defined.
1: I agree with you, and I am curious to see how it plays out. I, I go back, though, I think Grislyk has value. Like, I, I'm yeah. confident that he has do. value. They do. And, uh, you know, I don't think you can package them together to get, like, a better player. I don't think that's going to work. But, like, to me, I go back to, and I know a lot of people disagree with me on this, I would love to see them get back into the first or second round next year. Now, I don't know if either of those guys can do get you into the first round, yeah. But they probably get you in the second. Like, I would not hate that. I really wouldn't. And I know there's you, you can say what you want about them drafting, but you need you need to breathe a little life in the in the prospect pool, stuff like that. And I I would not hate that idea. Um, you know, yeah, if you could because I go back to like, I don't know if I've said this to you, but like with the DeBrusque stuff, right? They always say, people always say, Oh, you need to do like a Zaka deal, trade DeBrusque for a guy with high potential, you know, high ceiling who hasn't met his expectations. That's Jake DeBrusque. Yeah. <laughs> that is Jake DeBrusque. Yeah. Like, I think if, in a, I think in a deal like that, DeBrusque would be Zaka, you know, and you would be trading him for a proven commodity with a low ceiling, like an Eric Holler. So like, yeah. So I go I go back and forth on this. Um, but yeah, the Grizzlick thing, I'm fine with him in overtime and all that stuff. So
2: yeah.
1: That's not yeah.
0: It. You're gonna win some, you're gonna lose some in overtime. I would say the whole team has not been great in overtime. So let's not <laughs> Yeah, it's been kill, it's been let, a full
1: team effort. Let's not <laughs> let's not
0: kill Debruskin and, and Grizzlick for uh the the failings of many this year when it comes to the Boston Bruins in overtime. Um I I think Don Sweeney definitely will hope that there's maybe a first or a second round pick under the Christmas tree this year. Evan, I hope uh, you have a great holiday season. Thank you very much uh, for joining us today. I appreciate it on this mailbag edition of the, uh, the Pucks with Hags podcast. Thank you You to our sponsors, FanDuel Sportsbook, $150 in bonus bets. When you, with any winning $5 money line bet, easy app to download spreads, player props over under so much more visit fanduel.com boston and get things going now as we get towards uh nfl playoffs nba on christmas who doesn't want to get some fanduel action going on christmas with the nba and also very respectful of the nhl holiday break uh yes. day before christmas christmas and the day after christmas no games no practices go enjoy your family i love that i think um, it's a good thing It is. Factor Meals, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. Thanks for your sponsorship. Uh, Too busy to cook. $550 per serving, ready in two minutes. Just throw them in the microwave. They're delicious. Uh, Go to factormeals.com and use the code HAGS. uh, Go to factormeals.com slash HAGS50 and use the code HAGS50 to get 50% off your first box. Evan, have a great holiday, buddy. You too. It was great seeing your wiggle sheets. Uh, I'm going to order some of those for Finn. If I can find them uh, uh, retro uh, vintage on uh, eBay, everybody else have a great Christmas, great holiday season. Thank you for listening to Pucks with Hags. We'll see you at the ring.